Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert Derek Boylan for what we are calling the Focus Sessions, aimed at helping families with relationship issues. Together with Derek, over a number of these sessions, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. back with Derek Boylan again for another focus session around families and relationships. Today we're looking at problem solving and relationship repair. Derek, good morning to you. Thanks, uh, David. It's good to be here again. What, what can we expect today? This sounds like a, a bit of fun. Yeah, well, I was just uh, I was just sort of thinking, you know, like all of life has sort of ups and downs and, uh, and uh, um, you know, good times and bad times. And I was looking out in Perth right here today. It's just it's pouring down with rain and it's cold and it's miserable outside. And it really occurred to me that sometimes that is what it's like in relationships. We just have things that come up, issues that come up. And uh, and even if we have the best communication skills, it, it, it still happens. I like the analogy. Well, it's uh, cold in Melbourne, let me tell you, but it's not raining. So that's something we have over you today. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was a little bit warmer, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Derek, no one can avoid a dust-up, the odd dust-up. It's part of life. I guess the problem is not having a fight in the first place because that, that happens, but how individuals deal with the situation. Yeah, that's exactly right, David. Uh, you know, there's actually nothing wrong with a good argument uh, from time to time in any relationship, whether it's between a, a couple or whether it's with our children. Uh, and in fact, actually, it can be really healthy. I mean, arguments can be uh, toxic, but actually, they're often a way to grow as well, and uh, and they can be really healthy for relationships. And you know, even if we had the best communication skills in the world, as I said, you know, it's inevitable um, that we're going to, at certain times, have differences of opinion, and we're going to have an argument or a disagreement or a conflict in some way. And I guess that's because it's just the nature of being a human being. Sometimes we have different expectations, or we have different goals. Uh, or we have different values around a certain situation, and that's going to lead to a disagreement of some sort. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, the prince and the princess in storybooks. I like this analogy, actually. I think you provided it, but I'm taking it up with uh, relish. The prince and princess <laughs> of storybooks live happily ever after. Now, we grew grew up with that sort of uh, thing when we were children. Do you think, though, adults still go into relationships believing it will be plain sailing with few bumps in the road? Do you think that's still prevalent in this day and age? Yeah, that's definitely actually been my experience. And I think, uh, you know, particularly, you know, I encounter it in pre-marriage education with newly engaged couples uh, from time to time, you know, particularly if they've grown up in a very uh, um, negative sort of family environment, often they don't know what actually a healthy, strong relationship demands, what it takes. And so, in a sense, you know, their their understanding about a you know, lifelong loving relationship has been formed by Disney. It's uh, It's about happily ever after. And um, and, uh, and ironically, you know, we sort of, that's what all of us have grown up with. We sort of get told that every story, if it's the right story, if you write with the right person, it ends in happily ever after. Um, however, in reality, when that actually happens, uh, my experience is that typically it means that one person or both in the relationship actually believe in peace at any price. You know, their experience yeah. growing up of, of, um, of arguments has been so negative or so toxic that they, uh, they're really afraid of the consequences of having an argument. So they never raise difficult issues or concerns that they have. And in that kind of a relationship, you know, one person's having an amazing relationship, uh, but the other person maybe not so happy but unwilling to sort of rock the boat or, uh, or speak up or say how they feel. But I guess that, you know, the, 
The main concern there really, David, is that they're not growing when we don't have arguments. You know, when Karen and I have an argument in our home, typically only one of three things can happen. Sometimes Karen is right and I am wrong and I do some growing. I realize that maybe there was another way of looking at this situation or other factors that needed to be considered and uh, and I grow as a person. Uh, in other instances, um, you know, in exceptionally rare instances, Derek is right and Karen is wrong. And then Karen gets to do all the growing and, oh, gee, that feels good. But uh, most of the time, it's not really like that. It's just, you know, we have a different view or a different way of seeing things or different, you know, ideas about how we should go forward on an issue. And, uh, and we have a tough conversation about that. And, um, and I guess, you know, we should probably expect that that's kind of normal. I mean, in every area of our life, you know, we do our growing in our discomfort zone. You know, if you've ever tried to learn a musical instrument or uh, learn a new language, you know, it's it's in the, the the uncomfortable bit that we're doing our growing when we sort of think, does anyone learn how to play the guitar? How do people change chords so quickly? You know, do, do even Italians understand Italian? They speak so fast. Like, how can they understand? You know, I'm really struggling and we're, we're growing. Once it comes into our comfort zone, we're no longer growing. We've learned it. And I think uh, often disagreements uh, you know, in our family relationships is actually growth trying to happen. You know, that's the discomfort yeah. zone where growth occurs in a relationship. Yeah, it's like a fear. A lot of people just have a fear about um, conflict in anything and they just avoid it at every possible opportunity. Ah, oh, understandably. It, it's really tough, you know, and especially we're in the middle of it, you know. It, it feels miserable and we feel hurt or sad or, you know, it raises those defensive feelings and we want to avoid it. But, um, but I guess... You know, the only way to, to resolve those things is to, to sometimes, in a respectful way, lean into it and have the have the typical conversation that's going to help us grow. Yeah, and it gets back to that storybook analogy that uh, people want to live happily ever after. They want everything in the world to be just rosy, a Pollyanna-type existence, if you like. Mm, mm. I think the irony is actually to have happily ever after, you've got to have a few disagreements sometimes <laughs> and, uh, sure. and different, uh, differences of opinion. Mm. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, as we've spoken about uh, a number of times. There's nothing wrong with having a difference of opinion, and you're not always right and you're not always wrong. It's uh, not a matter of right or wrong sometimes. Yeah, I think so. You know, something I always sort of suggest to the couples is, you know, there are different ways to resolve an argument. You know, we can, um, uh, you know, we can just avoid any sort of real conversation, you know, with, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, that is a way of resolving arguments, but it's not a very good way of resolving arguments. We can, uh, we can go down the road of... Um, you know, win at all cost. You know, whatever it takes, come hell or high water, I will convince you that I'm right. And, yes. uh, and I think the, the challenge with that approach is that, you know, whenever you have a winner, by definition, you must have a loser. And so uh, if you want to win every single argument, you're going to be married to a loser. And uh, so if you want them to win sometimes, you're going to have to give up a few arguments, a few debates from time to time. I think probably better approaches to conflict uh, is either compromise and sometimes compromise is is necessary, but I guess the best approach is to work out a way of collaborating, a way of working together to overcome the issue or the problem that we're we're facing. Yeah, no, absolutely right. So, what steps can a couple take to resolve an issue? Yeah, look, there are there are so many things that couples can do, and there's so much research in this area, David. And when I look at it all, I guess my experience is that almost everything falls into one of sort of two broad categories. One is having the right attitude, and the other is having the right skills um, you know so an example of what I mean by having the right attitude I suppose is is giving the other person the benefit of the doubt you know that typically yeah. in relationships when one person asks for help of another person 
uh, it actually looks like criticism. It's not criticism, but it's one person attempting to ask for help. You know, if I walk in the, the door at the end of a, a long day and Karen's just spent the whole day cleaning up, you know, the lounge room and I park myself on the couch and kick off my shoes and socks and Karen comes in and says, I can't believe you left your socks right in the middle of the floor. <laughs> it's, uh, it feels like criticism and the natural human reaction to criticism is a sort of a, a defensiveness. Yeah. But actually it's a request for help. You know, what she's saying is like, come on, I've been the whole day cleaning this room and, you know, and I need your help to, to keep it clean. That if we can sort of give the other person the benefit of the doubt and, uh, and try to maybe see that what they're trying to say as opposed to just hearing it as criticism, uh, that can help. And, and I guess failing that, you know, having the right skills, having a way of working through arguments can help. Um, you know, I guess one of the skills that I think is probably the most important is developing healthy boundaries or, or what I refer to as fair fighting rules. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, often couples will say to me, uh, you know, oh, but, you know, and I, I counter this sometimes in counselling, they'll say to me, oh, but Derek, if we love each other, we shouldn't have to have rules and boundaries in our relationship. Yeah. And I could not disagree with this idea more. Sure. I think if you really love someone, if you really care for someone, you're going to have as many rules and boundaries as you need to protect your love for them. Yeah. And that's going to be with your workplace. It's going to be with extended family. It's going to be with social media. And it's also going to be in the way that you talk to one another. You know, that, uh, I mean, I guess the reason why people avoid conflict and arguments is because they're afraid of it going poorly, going badly yeah, and, uh, and being toxic. And so having boundaries that, uh, that protect us from going into that space can really help. I'll give you a couple of examples if you like. Yes, please. Um, one, uh, one thing that I used to do when I got really angry, if Karen and I were having an argument was swear. I don't usually swear, but if I got <laughs> so angry that I just saw red, I would swear. And it was a way of trying to get through to this person. This is where I'm at now. You know, I'm so angry. Yes. And, uh, and Karen won't tolerate swearing as far as she's concerned. Okay. I don't have to listen to it. I don't have to put up with it. I don't have to be spoken to that way. And, uh, and so you could imagine what it was like when I just got so cranky and, and I would start to swear and Karen would be just conversation over and yep. we'll just turn away and walk away. What do I have to do to get through to this woman? You know, <laughs> what's going on here? And, and what I realized is that my swearing was not helping. You know, it yeah. didn't help our relationship. It didn't get me any further in the conversation, you know, where I wanted to be to try and resolve things. And I realized that I needed to put a, a boundary there. I needed to put a cap on that. You know, I needed to sort of say, all right, well, this actually doesn't help. You know, and uh, and I need to stop doing that. You know, if I want us to be able to stay in those tough conversations and, and get closer to a solution. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny in my work, I collect these fair fighting rules, boundaries that couples suggest to me that I kind of think that's a really good idea. Every couple should do that. I mean, some examples would be obviously no yelling and swearing, uh, no violence, so hitting, pushing, shoving sure. never helps. Um, you know, any kind of a, a disagreement, but also things like not getting caught up in blaming. You know, sometimes couples get caught up in a conversation about who started what. Yeah. And uh, and it just leaves one person feeling guilty and the other person and, and defensive. And it actually doesn't get us closer to a solution. You know, you can actually drop that whole conversation and go, well, it's a problem now. What are we going to do this time? You know, and, uh, and how are we going to resolve that? Um, picking the right time and place to have disagreements. You know, some arguments, uh, some couples uh, have boundaries around arguing in their bedroom. You know, they want to protect their bedroom as a place for connection and for closeness. Yes. Uh, and they not, and not associate that as a place, you know, argue in the kitchen, argue in the living room, front yard, backyard, but our bedroom, that's that we save that for closeness and connection. I think what a great boundary that protects their love and protects closeness for them. 
Um, a couple uh, I met recently, one of their boundaries was uh, no arguing half an hour before bedtime. You know, so they knew that if they have a big argument, it's really hard to get up, get into bed with someone and snuggle up warm to them. <laughs> if you're really oh. cranky and irritable with them. Yeah. And so in their relationship, they know that they typically go to bed at about 11 o'clock. And so when it gets to 10 o'clock, if they're having an argument, they just go, all right, that's it. <laughs> time out. Stop. Yeah. And then, you know, they've got time to have a shower or watch some TV or, you know, um, read a book and then get into bed and have a good night's sleep. And, uh, and in the morning, all right, maybe we've got a few more ideas and let's, uh, let's have another go at talking about this. And I thought, what a lovely, yeah. simple boundary that protects closeness for them, protects them getting a good night's sleep and being able to be who they want to be with one another. Absolutely. And I think that's um, one of the most important things that couples can develop is those, those boundaries that protect their love. Yeah. You often hear of people who are interviewed on TV and they've been together 60 or 70 years and one of the things they say is that the, they never, ever went to bed angry. So if they'd had an argument, they would resolve it and then they'd, they'd go to bed and they, they'd be in a happier place. So they'd never sleep mm. on that anger, which I think was a very important point. Absolutely. It sort of harks back to some ancient uh, Jewish wisdom. I think one of the, the proverbs in the Old Testament says, don't let the sun set on your anger. And, uh, and I think, you know, and I don't know that that necessarily means we have to solve every argument, but we should resolve the anger. You know, yeah. and I think that uh, that couple, I think, found a way of doing that to sort of say, you know, all right, we haven't solved this problem yet, but we're not going to go to bed angry with one another. We're going to work out a way to let go of some of those hard feelings and uh, and to be able to have a, a softer approach towards one another, yeah. which I think is yeah. a great strategy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fights and uh, faults and all that sort of thing, is it important to put your hand up early on and admit fault if that's the case? I mean, you have mentioned that some people do find it hard to say sorry or admit when they're wrong. But if you can do that early on, then that would surely resolve the, the issue quicker. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you on that, David. It's it's interesting because I think even, you know, even when we have a really great relationship, occasionally there are going to be times when things just blow out. You know, for whatever reason, it's – and it's usually, you know, as human beings, we look for a simple – um, explanation for that, right? Well, if you never did this, this never would have happened. And uh, but the reality is, at those moments when we have those blowouts, it's complex. You know, it's uh, you did this, and I was feeling this way, and this was going on, and the kids were having a fight in the background, and yeah. all of these things all came together at once, and it just resulted in things coming apart. And uh, and uh, and certainly one of the, and it feels really heavy. You know, when we have one of those blowouts, it feels heavy, and it feels we don't want to talk to one another, and we struggle. And yet they're actually surprisingly uh, easy to get back on a trajectory of healing. And the way to do that is, uh, is, as you've said, to simply take responsibility for my bit of it, you know, to realize that it was complex, realize that I was a part of that uh, scenario, whatever went wrong there. And, uh, and sometimes it's just my feelings. You know, I came in the door and I was tired and I was cranky and I was irritable. I had a bad day and, and that didn't help our conversation to go well. And just taking responsibility, not for the whole situation, but for my bit of it, and giving a sincere apology, just to be able to say, look, I'm really sorry. When I came in the door, I was tired and irritable today, and, and I probably didn't respond the way you needed me to. You know, Or I'm really sorry when you came in today, I was just frustrated, and I, and I probably beat your head off and didn't even ask about your day and how it was going. You know, yeah. Just to take responsibility just for my bit and to give a really sincere apology, uh, to say sorry, you know, to take responsibility, to say, look, I was wrong uh, you know, uh, in that particular instance in that way. And, uh, and to show a sincere desire to try and do things differently, to do things better. Sure. Um, it, uh, I think it goes a huge way towards healing and reconciliation in, in every relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Now, sometimes, uh, as we know, couples, no matter how much they try by themselves, can't get to the heart of the problem if they've got, sort of got long-seated issues. How important, then, is couples counselling? Yeah, look, counselling can be really powerful for couples and really helpful for couples. And, uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a counsellor. <laughs> uh, you know, even Karen and I have the, had the experience at times around some difficult issues of saying, look, I think we need actually help to talk about this. And yes. counselling can make a big difference. Um, I guess, uh, you know, and you've probably heard me say this before, that it's a strength to know when to ask for help. You know, no one is expected to be an expert in every area of their life. I'm not a plumber. I'm not an electrician. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a doctor. Uh, not a psychologist, you know, and uh, and when we're struggling in these different areas, asking for help is always a strength, and uh, and it can make a huge difference for for couples to be able to to reach out to someone and say, look, we're struggling and we need some help. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, well, the third party, I mean, that brings us because you you've got, you've got the third party there. Um, what can they bring to that relationship? Can they make you see things perhaps differently? Is that the, the way it generally works? Yeah, I think councils bring a, a range of different factors. I think, I guess, first of all, typically, you know, a good counsellor, a good marriage relationship counsellor is less interested in taking sides in the relationship. They're not interested in being on my side or Karen's side. Yes. They're interested in being on the side of the relationship. And so uh, whenever a couple come to see me, I always explain that right at the very beginning. Look, I'm not really interested in being on, on his side or her side. I'm on the side of your marriage. Because often that's the thing that sort of really is the, the stuff is the most, right? We get sort of caught up on an issue, we, we're arguing about it, and uh, and the thing that's suffering the most is our relationship with one another. And uh, and a counsellor can help to protect that and nurture that uh, so that they can get a bit further in the conversation. Also, sometimes it's easier when it's somebody else asking the questions, right? When it's uh, instead of sort of feeling like you're just lobbing bombs at me, <laughs> uh, when it's someone outside of the the relationship asking the questions, that can really help. It takes the sting out of it. It, yes. it softens the, the nature of the conversation. We can talk about it in a different way. And, you know, a good relationship counsellor is, is also trained to be able to ask questions in a certain way that allows for a certain openness, a greater openness for both people to be able to explore and to discover and to, to get to the deeper hopes and dreams and longings that are also a part of that difficult situation to, to talk about. And I guess the other thing I think is that you don't have to be sick to get better. You know, some things are just simply hard to talk about. You know, I think every couple know, every family knows within their family, there are some issues that are sort of sensitive you know they're a little bit mm. difficult to know what's quite the right way to raise this conversation i don't want to upset you but at the same time i'd really like to have a conversation i don't know how to navigate that and uh and i have a few couples that i see for counseling and they just come once a month yeah um not necessarily because they're fighting or arguing but simply because they know there are things that sometimes build up over a month that they kind of want to talk about but they're not sure about the right way to have that conversation sure and a good relationship counsellor, well, they're having those conversations with people all the time. They have lots of experience in, in how to help navigate one of those conversations. Yeah, and I, I imagine the couple would feel um, that they're in a safe environment too, which is, perhaps leads to more honesty. Absolutely. And we've sort of, you know, certainly in our counselling rooms, put a lot of effort into building rooms that feel very warm and safe, you know, especially if they don't feel very safe in their own homes. You know, I want them to come to a place where we're here. We can talk safely about difficult things and hopefully make change. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, with your experience as a marriage counsellor, right. do you think more couples should seek counselling? I don't know what the percentage is like these days, and I imagine a lot of people do seek counselling, but I, I know a couple that have been close to me for many years who probably should have counselling but refuse to get it, but they're still together. I'll give them that. 
Mm. Yeah, look, I think it's it's a really interesting one, and I always think you know go early uh, is uh, would be my recommendation. You know, there's some really interesting research that came out a number of years ago, and they found that on average, couples typically argue about an issue for approximately four years before getting help True. from someone, and and that's a long time. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of water under the bridge by by that time, and and certainly you can come back from that. You know, there's definitely you can work at healing and repairing a relationship and actually have a deeper, more fulfilling relationship than maybe you imagined possible at the beginning of your marriage but it, it take, it's a lot more work right after four years and so uh, I guess it's uh, it's a little bit sometimes I think like the, the frog in water analogy you know and uh, we sort of start having a bit of an argument and uh, it doesn't seem strong enough to go and get counseling and then at what point do you decide you know what we should just go and get some help you know ask someone for, for help with this yeah uh, but I really encourage couples to, to just you know I mean it's not going to hurt you know to get help and I think you know every everything in life all of life tells us that um Maintenance is normal, you know, whether you have a home or a car or a career, you know, maintenance is a normal part of all of that. And I think, how much money do I spend on my car each year in servicing and tires and registration, you know, for an inanimate object that I don't intend to have a relationship with that extends more than about four years? And, uh, and do I spend anywhere close to that amount of time and energy and money? on uh, the relationship with the person that I want to last for the next 50 years of my life. You know, I think it's worth making the investment and just saying, you know what, we should do marriage enrichment or we should go to counselling or we should do one of these courses or programs and see what we can discover and how we can grow in our relationship and talk about some of the things that we struggle to talk about. Yeah, no, exactly right. Uh, safely arguing. I like the way we put this, safely arguing. Uh that can lead to growth and not family breakdown. You've sort of touched on that. Perhaps uh, if you could encapsulate that a little more. Yeah, I guess, you know, arguments really can lead to growth, as we said before, David. And and a lot of the time it actually does. You know, uh, when we first start going out with someone, we, we love them. Uh, when we first have a, a young child where they're adorable and they're cute and we care about them. And, uh, but in a way, we don't really know them either. You know, we're sort of starting a journey of really coming to get to know them. And as we work through those difficulties, we, we start to move to a place where we don't love that person for who they can be for us. We start to love them for really who they are, what's and all and mistakes and all and things like that. And so uh, I guess one of the biggest things, you know, in, in helping to argue safely is really coming at those difficult conversations with the right attitude. Yes. Um, you know, if there is anyone who currently exists uh, on this planet uh, that could make a more comprehensive list of all of my faults and failings, it would be Karen. Yeah. Karen knows all my insecurities, all my faults, all the problems, all the mistakes I've ever made. But she chooses not to. Yeah, you know, she chooses to look for the good. She chooses to see the positive things in me. Uh, and sometimes the things that are, are the are the positive things in me are the things that annoy her the most. Uh, I had a friend who recently said, Derek, you know, one of the things is that you know the things that you love most about your spouse eventually become the things that you know that are curse as well. Uh, and it's a choice then, right? Whether I see it as a positive thing or a negative thing. You know, one of the things I love about Karen is she is ultra organized. You know, she's an incredibly organized person. I don't think we'd get through half the things that we do uh, in our lives if it wasn't for, for Karen. But also, one of the real challenges in our marriage is Karen's is a highly organized person. Right? Yeah. Sometimes I just want to have a cup of coffee. I want to chill. Can't we just be more spontaneous? Yes. And so it's a choice for me. Uh, to see it as a, as a strength or to see it as um, as a negative thing. Okay. Um, I guess, you know, uh, and, and of course, working at the skills, you know, that we've talked about, you know, in some of the previous sessions, you know, good listening skills, um, you know, learning how to communicate emotions, 
you know, having boundaries that protect our love. I mean, these are the, the ways that enable us to be able to have those difficult conversations in a way that leads to growth and not to family breakdown. Yeah, no, fair enough too. So then, Derek, how best can couples work on repairing their relationship? Is there a, a set strategy or is it really different for every couple? Mm. Look, I think every couple's unique, but I think working at relationship repair is actually really important. You know, as we said before, there, there are always going to be blowouts, those moments where oh, just things come unstuck. And um, and it's, uh, and, an, and a good sincere apology is a good first place to start in repairing that. But there are some other things I think that couples can do as well. And I guess the first is that, you know, arguments, big arguments, expend a lot of energy. You know, they, uh, um, you know, at the end of it, actually, most of the time we feel exhausted. We just want to go to bed or get out of the house or just watch TV or, you know, they actually demand a lot of energy resources. They take a lot out of our relationship and our lives and who we can be for one another. And, uh, and so one of the things I really encourage couples to do is, because I always ask this of couples, whenever I, I meet a couple for counselling, you know, and I want to understand their situation and the uniqueness of their situation, and I say to them, you know, uh, tell me about an argument. Give me an example of an argument. And, and I always ask afterwards, I say, and what did you do afterwards? After the argument finished, what did you, what did you do? How did you repair that? And um, I'm surprised how few couples do anything to repair their relationships. Yeah. And as I said, it expends a lot of energy. So sometimes the homework I sometimes give couples for counselling is they should try to plan things in their relationship, for their relationship, that are going to replenish as much energy as an argument takes away from their uh, from their relationship. Mm. You know, something that's going to bring as much joy or as much connection or as much fulfilment as what those arguments and those disagreements are withdrawing, in a sense, from their emotional bank account. Um, you know, an example would be a, a couple I saw some years ago and they, uh, um, you know, they would just go for a drive on Saturday. They love to, they love to go for a drive with their two small children and, uh, and get out in the country on a Saturday and just go for a long drive. And they just they just had the habit of they, they'd argued a lot. Yeah. I'd see them regularly week after week for counselling. But on the Saturday, yes. they all loaded up with a picnic and they just went for a drive. Wonderful. And they just drove out to the country and, you know, and just did something that served no other purpose really than to make them happy. And I thought, what a great strategy that sort of protected their relationship, that brought energy back into the, the relationship and connection and, and happiness, uh, knowing that they were having these struggles and challenges. Right. I guess the other thing that's um, really important, and, uh, and there's a lot of research by John Gottman around this, is being open to repair attempts. Um, you know, often when things get really heated in one of those conversations, one or the other can sometimes try to... Uh, you know, to sort of realize that, you know, this could get toxic if we allow this to escalate and they will attempt to repair the relationship. They'll make what's called a repair attempt. They might sort of say, you know what, let's, let's just get out of here. Let's just go for a walk. Or they might say, uh, or they might try to make a joke, right? And uh, and just sort of like, you know, let's just, you know, lower the tone of the, of the conversation. Yes. And it's a real skill to be able to be open to those repair attempts, to recognize a repair attempt for what it is, and to sort of respond and say, okay, all right, this person is trying to to help actually here. I really don't like their sense of humor. It's driving me nuts. But I can see that they're trying to do something that's kind of positive actually here yeah. and respond in a positive way to that um, is a very important skill to develop. I remember years ago uh, I had uh, one couple for counseling and they'd been together for 11 years and um, and they had a beautiful relationship. And uh, But one of the things that really stood out about this couple for me was usually 
you know, when I'm in the counselling room, couples can have a tendency to, you know, they know their stories very well. And so they have a tendency to, to speak over one another. Yeah. You know, one person starts speaking and the other person interjects and the other person sort of says something. And uh, and as the counsellor, usually I can follow what's happening pretty well. You know, even though they're speaking over each other, I can get the storyline, I can understand what they're, what they're saying. Mm. But in this particular instance, they were fast. They were blazingly fast. You know, <laughs> neither of them could get two words out before the other person would be, hang on a minute, well, that's not fair. Hang on, there's yeah. another part of that story. And they would talk over one another oh, and, it just, no. and it would get louder and louder. And I'd be thinking, geez, where's, yeah. <laughs> where's this going? Let's uh, see what happens here. But they had this extraordinary way of when things reach to, to a sort of a critical energy level of actually being able to step back and laugh at themselves. Oh, that, you know, to kind of go, oh, gosh, this is just stupid. Like, you know, like, why, why are we getting so loud about this? Yeah. And I saw this and I realized, you know, this couple have a beautiful strategy for repair attempts, mm. you know, and, and being open to receiving that. And I thought, you know, I bet you this has got you through 11 years. You know, you can argue like cat and dog. But, uh, but you have this beautiful way of being able to, when things kind of get a little bit sort of peak into a little bit of a dangerous sort of area of being able to step back, laugh at yourselves, you know, be able to kind of go, all right, let's have another go at this or let's talk about this later and, uh, and be able to respond to those repair attempts from the other one mm. in a really positive way. And that's a, that's a really important skill for couples to, to work at developing. Very true. Very true. Derek, in closing, perhaps you could uh, go over some of the key points we've discussed uh, in this session. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think the first thing is that is for all families to realize that conflict is inevitable and it's actually normal and it can be really healthy for uh, for families and it helps us to grow in our understanding of one another. We just need to work out how to have those tough conversations in a way that does lead to growth. And, uh, and so it's about having the right attitude, the way that we approach these arguments and giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. And it's about having in place some, just some key boundaries uh, that uh, enable us to protect our relationship and to keep it safe as we have those difficult conversations. And knowing that things are sometimes still going to blow out, sometimes it's still things are still going to go poorly, just for the circumstances and the complexity of the situation, being open to giving a sincere apology and to working at repairing the relationship, knowing that, all right, well, we need to do some things here as well to help regain uh, the connection and the closeness and the trust that we really long for in our family and in our family relationships. Lovely. That's wonderful, Derek. Uh, in the next episode, we'll be looking at keeping the romance in a relationship alive and fun for both partners. Now, that sounds exciting, and I'd say integral. Absolutely. I kind of think, you know, we uh, we do a lot in relationships around uh, the problems in uh, marriage and family relationships, but, uh, but you know what? There's a lot of joy to be discovered there as well, and I kind of think that's why we, we came into those relationships. That's why we brought children into our families in the first place was the, the joy that we were hoping to experience throughout our lives. And so working on that is a, a really important uh, thing as well. And, a, and it helps with the problem, you know, as we we're talking about before, you know, with the repair attempts, bringing joy back into the family. This is something that's really important to work on as well. Very true. Good to talk to you, Derek. You too, David. Thank you.